church. So, today's reading is from Revelation chapter 21, and that's verses 1 to 8. And you can find that on page 1249 in the church Bibles. A new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, let me have my own welcome to that which uh, Rowena has already given. My name is Adam. I am Vicar here at St. Jude's. You're uh, very welcome with us. As Rowena said, we've uh, begun a new series thinking uh, about offering hope, the second strand of our vision. And last week, we thought about past hope. Uh, and this week, uh, we uh, are thinking about future hope. And this wasn't uh, the passage that I expected to speak to you from uh, this morning. It's not the one that I planned when I planned the series back in June. And on uh, as I hope you would expect, I uh, take time each week to sort of listen to God and to prepare to speak to you. And I had that on Tuesday. I had a whole day uh, to write this and something else. And I had uh, what could be described as writer's block uh, or perhaps prophetic block, depending on uh, whichever you want to go with, probably a bit of both. Uh, and um, I got to the end of the day and had literally nothing. So it's uh, great to be with you, and uh, we'll carry on with the rest of the service. Great. Uh, no, indeed, that's not quite what happened. As I went to sleep on Tuesday night, um, I felt the Lord place this passage on my heart. Uh, in fact, what I heard him say was, I would like you to preach from Revelation 21. And I've not got one of those minds some of us are blessed with where I can automatically tell you exactly what is in each verse of the Bible, I'm afraid. Um, I know that Revelation 21's at the end. I roughly know what happens in it, but I couldn't have told you. But I went to God, well, 
it's got the word revelation in it, so I'm not overly keen. Uh, but if that's what you say, I'm obedient and I'll do what you say. Went to sleep Tuesday night, woke up Wednesday morning, read the passage, read verses 1 through to 7. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is future hope. This is brilliant. Then read verse 8. And I said, Lord, I don't think this is what uh, you've got on, uh, on your heart, actually. Could you give me something else, please? And I've sat with it, truthfully, since Wednesday uh, under the weight of this passage because it's a, an important passage for us to grapple with, for us to understand and for us to see and hear God's voice through. So uh, without further ado, let's pray because uh, that's what we need more than anything else uh, that God would speak to us uh, this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for its outrageous call on our lives. We thank you for the promise that is within it, for the hope that is within it. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he is the hope of this world. Lord, as we come before this, your word this morning, would you open the eyes of our hearts afresh? Would you reveal yourself in your power in this place? Would we know your presence here? And would we turn to you? Would we know ourselves turning away from the things that this world offers and turning to you afresh? Come, Holy Spirit, and dwell deeply in your word. Speak through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I almost have uh, three points all beginning with the same letter uh, for you today. uh, They're all beginning with P. The first one doesn't actually uh, begin with P. It's repentance. Uh, It's got a P in it, so we'll have to go with that. Some of you were with us just over a year ago when we had our Lent course. Andrew Dow took us through the book of Revelation. Andrew Dow is now retired, a vicar who spent much of his life actually studying the book of Revelation uh, and understands it certainly far better than, than I do. Right at the beginning of that course, Andrew said, the book of Revelation is not just written to excite our imaginations, nor is it written to satisfy the curious about the future. It is a call to repentance, to holy behavior, and to outrageous faith in God. It's a call to repentance, to holy behavior, and to outrageous faith in God. And there are two things I want to think about when we think about repentance. And the first is our own salvation and the reality of that. Those of you who have done Living Free will have seen this. I think it's a slide. It might be a bit small for you, uh, which shows the three uh, senses of salvation. Here we go. Uh, we ha- we, as Christians, we can be assured that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Romans 8, 1 to 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. Again, Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And then there's a future hope, a future promise. We will be saved from the presence of sin. A verse from our own reading this morning, he will wipe every tear from their eye. 
There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. Revelation is calling forward the third into our lives as we work on the second of those knowing and having an assurance of the first. But I wonder how much we live as followers of Christ with that assurance, how much we live in that freedom that comes from knowing Christ, how much we know that we are already saved from the penalty of sin. Another illustration I use in Living Free, I've used it here before, um, but this uh, couple, there's a couple of people on the screen, a couple called uh, Zolt and Giza Pallardi. Uh, they were homeless, living in Bulgaria, living in a co- cave, eating uh, baked beans. And one day a lady came to them and said, um, I think someone's died that you're in, related to, can I take a blood sample? So they, they did. And uh, she came back and their their maternal grandmother had passed away, leaving them her entire four billion pounds fortune. Overnight, they went from being homeless without anything to having this four billion pounds fortune. The gift and the hope that we have in Jesus is worth far more than four billion pounds. Do we live back in the cave? eating the beans, or do we live in that repentance? There's nothing wrong with beans, uh, nothing wrong with caves. Uh, But in fact, you know what I'm getting at? I've used that illustration before, but have we slipped back into the cave? Or are we living as people who have been saved by Jesus from the penalty of sin, I wonder? But our vision isn't just that we would know the hope that comes from knowing Jesus, but that we would offer that hope to the world. And this world offers hope in so many uh, different ways, whether that's 160 million pounds that you can win on the lottery or whatever whatever it might be, whether it's the advertising scheme that was around not that long ago for a website where you can find an affair. They have the strap line, life is short, have an affair. Whether it's just across the road, steps outside our door, people offering tarot card reading, tarot card readings for uh, so much for half an hour. The reality of that is that each of those are false hopes because time and time again, they prove themselves to not be lasting and to lead to to destruction. Whether it's the lottery winners who end up with far less than they had beforehand or perhaps uh, they discover that money isn't the root of all happiness and their relationships break down. Whether it's those who have affairs losing uh, their relationships with their partners and their families. Whether it's those who engage in tarot um, or whatever it is, finding it as an access point to far deeper and darker places in this world. Whatever it is, they are false hopes. But we, as followers of Christ, have a hope that doesn't cost any money, is permanent, is the source of all hope. And we can offer repentance to the world. And now people start usually get, start feeling a little bit uncomfortable when the vicar starts talking about offering repentance uh, into the world. But the very first words of Jesus in Mark's gospel are these. Mark 1.15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. We have good news to offer this world. And the offer is to turn away. That's all that repentance means, to turn away from the old and to look to the new, to this new hope. This is the call of Jesus. This is the call of his church. Are we sometimes too worried about causing offense to offer that, I wonder? 
I've possibly shared this before, forgive me if I do, but I absolutely love doing weddings. It's one of the things I really enjoy that I get to do as a vicar uh, to marry people. And um, when I do so, I wait outside for the bride uh, to arrive. And anyone that's been outside waiting for the bride to arrive, seen a bride arrive, maybe you've been a bride yourself, you will have noticed that as the bride comes into the church, uh, people stop to look, they stare, cars slow down, people look. It is a feature of weddings that the bride turns heads on that day. Grooms less so. I'm sorry, chaps. Uh, It's true. But brides turn heads. That's what happens on wedding days. Does the bride of Christ turn heads, I wonder? Is that what we are doing as we're going out into this world? Are we turning people to the hope that is Jesus Christ, the hope that lives in us? Uh, The next P is a proper P uh, this time, and it's about his promise to us. Here in this passage, John is seeing the future promise, the new heaven and the new earth. And those of you in small groups will be looking at some verses in Isaiah 11. It's an echo of those verses in Isaiah 11. I think they're on the screens in a moment. This is the old, sorry, this is the new order of things coming into being. Now, in Jesus' time, everyone had a very firmly established belief and understanding about how the coming kingdom would be uh, established. I think if we could show the first slide. Thank you so much. Um, It's supposed to look like this. We have the old age or the old world, uh, and then uh, the Messiah comes, and then it's the new age or the new world. But Jesus confounds all of these expectations. Let's put the second slide up. Because he was the Messiah, he was expected uh, by the prophets, and as he taught in Mark 1, the kingdom of God is near. But he also taught that the kingdom hadn't yet come in all of its fullness. He teaches the disciples to ask for God to bring the kingdom in prayer. Thy kingdom come. We pray it. We'll pray it together shortly. Many of the parables of the kingdom stress the incompleteness or the hiddenness, perhaps, of the kingdom of God. Because in part, it is still future, like a seed perhaps growing, maybe uh, un- largely underground, out of sight. But it will grow into the greatest of trees. And we need to not misunderstand these two realities. Because if we overstate or overestimate the already of the kingdom of God, to the exclusion of the not yet, we will expect quick solutions uh, to problems of this world and may become dismayed by suffering or tragedy. But equally, if we underestimate or underestimate or overstate the need, sorry, try that sentence again. Equally, if we overestimate or we understate the not yet of the kingdom, that too will lead us to lose hope because we become pessimistic about what God's power can and indeed does do. We'll become perhaps withdrawn from the world, perhaps passive in our faith, uh, perhaps even beginning to ask what the point of prayer is. Now, I know everybody uses this illustration because uh, no one has come up with a better one, Uh, but The now and the yet of the kingdom of God is a bit like the difference between D-Day and V-E Day. Uh, And uh, historians believe D-Day is the point at which the war was won. V-E Day is the war is finished. We are in that period uh, between the two. But, and here's the thing, between D-Day and V-E Day, battles still continued to be be won and fought every uh, single day. It was, in fact, those battles that brought in 
the eventual end of the war. The forces didn't just sort of sit back and go, well, you know, it'll happen one day. Uh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to engage with it. No, they engaged with the war for They brought about the end of the war. And yes, there were battles, and yes, there were casualties, but that didn't stop them fighting. At the very beginning of the week, I wrote down the words, um, I'm going to speak to you about future hope today. Uh, and uh, the very first thing that God said to me was just those three words, future hope today. We have God's future hope today. We can see the not yet of the kingdom of God in the now of the kingdom of God. We can pray and engage in those battles, engage in what he is doing to bring forth his kingdom, to bring forth uh, that, what he's doing what he tells us to do. Pray thy kingdom come. The last P that I think we see in this passage, uh, it's another P, uh, is about presence. Now, I'm a big fan of our queen, Queen Elizabeth. I think we're greatly blessed uh, by her. Um, if for some reason you're not such a big fan, uh, then bless you. And uh, maybe as I do this illustration, uh, think of someone else in the public eye for whom uh, you love and respect. But imagine for a moment that I said Queen Elizabeth was coming here to St. Jude's next Sunday uh, morning for our new 1045 service. Uh, perhaps I told you she was going to come every Sunday morning. How would you respond to that? Perhaps I told you that, um, in fact, she was going to give us more opportunities to engage with her. Maybe, um, maybe on the first Monday of the month, perhaps, at 7.30 on Zoom. Or maybe on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, uh, perhaps. What would you do? How would you respond to that? Would you be here? Would you, would you come? Would you want to meet with her? Would you want to talk to her? Would you want to share with her? Would you want to hear her heart for this world, I wonder? Now, if you've not worked out where I'm going uh, already with this, one of the reasons I love our queen is because she bows her knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This passage reminds us of God's presence with us. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. When we come to pray, when we come to worship, when we read his word, we are entering into his presence and a privilege that it is for us to do that. I wonder if we give God that same respect we might give to the queen if she knew, we knew she was coming. Now, there's a health warning here because Jesus also says, yes, Jesus is God. God is God. He's big. He's king. But he's also friend. He says in John's gospel, I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. We are his friends. But at times, friends, do we even offer him the same respect and the same time as we offer our friends? Or are we too busy checking what's on our phones? or checking the football, or wondering about what we're going to be having uh, for dinner, perhaps. And as ever, uh, you know, I don't say this uh, uh, as someone that's fixed and sold in any of this. About a week ago, um, I realized that I got into the habit of once I'd had my shower in the morning, going downstairs and picking up my phone, and uh, checking my emails, checking my text messages, checking the bank, checking the news, doing all of those things. And about a week ago, the Lord said very clearly, Adam, what would it be like if you checked in with me? first before the rest of the world we owe god our honor we owe him our worship we owe him to, 
to know his presence because it is such a joy and it's such an honor to be able to meet him in this place. His presence is with us. His spirit is with us. So there's loads in this passage, so much more than perhaps uh, I can bring out in 20 minutes or so this morning. It's about repentance. It's about promise. It's about presence. It's about so much. We studied, when we studied uh, the earlier chapters of Revelation last year, the, the letters to the churches all begin in exactly the same way. They begin with the words, I know. We worship a God who knows us. We worship a king who knows us and who longs for us to know him more in this place and in our hearts. I'm going to pray for us. I wonder if you would stand with me as I do so. Uh, Just before I um, pray, I mentioned Emma Stark last week, who was one of the uh, speakers at the New Wine Conference, and um, she introduced herself as a prophetic uh, speaker in that place. And uh, she said uh, uh, all sorts of things about other types of speakers. And she said, when you read the scriptures, when, um, when have you ever seen the prophets saying, you're doing a great job, carry on? <laughs> there is an element of, when we hear God's voice, he longs for us to know him. He loves us exactly as we are. But he also longs for us and loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us as we are. He wants us to know him more and to be changed more into his likeness, into more into the likeness that he has for us. So let's pray. Lord, we praise you that we are your children. We praise you that we are forgiven. We praise you that we have been saved from the penalty of sin, that we are being saved from the power of sin, and that we will be saved from the presence of sin. Lord, if we have slipped back into that cave with our cans of beans, metaphorically speaking, believing that it is all, uh, it is all out there and it's not for us, would you call us back into your presence, into the inheritance, into the hope, that you have for us. And Lord, would you be, help us to be people who do turn heads? Would you help us to be your bride that shines your light, that calls others to not look to the hopes, the false hopes of this world, but to the look to the one hope, Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you for the promise. The promise of your coming kingdom. Lord, would you help us to recognize our place in that, in that between the detail and the VE the point at which we can be assured of the final victory, but also not passive in our engagement to pray thy kingdom come, to pray Thy will be done amongst us. Would the hope of your future kingdom not leave us wanting and passive and expectant of something that we might not see, but make us hungry to pray to see it amongst us 
as you call us to in your word. And Lord, would we be known as people who know your presence with us? Would we come into this place expectant to meet with you, expectant to hear your heart, expectant to see you at work? Lord, we have a future hope. We thank you for these words of revelation that share with us a picture of what that future hope might look like. But we thank you that we have that future hope today. Would you be would you help us to be excited? as excited as we might be to meet the Queen or whoever it is uh, in our mind, Lord, as we come to meet with you. Would you help us to make this a place of prayer, a place of worship, a place where your healing work happens, a place where your kingdom is now Lord, we praise you that you love us. We praise you that as far as the east is from the west, that is as far as you have separated us from our transgressions, from our sins. We praise you that you are not worried about what happened 10 minutes ago, an hour ago, last week, last year, month. You care about what happens today. We praise you for this call to repentance, to holy behavior, and to outrageous faith in you. So Lord, as we turn from the things that this world offers, as we turn to a new way of being, would you give us eyes to see you at work? Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Would you embed your word in us? And would you remind us ultimately of your great love for us, which this all comes from, and your desire to see uh, you at work in our lives, for us to allow you to work in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. 
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord and Holy Spirit you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord and Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness 
I was reminded of those verses in Ephesians 2 we know well. Ephesians 2a, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Gracious Lord, we praise you for your grace. We praise you for the grace which has saved us through faith. It is not by work so that no one can boast. Lord, as we long to see more of your kingdom at work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, would you remind us that we are seated with you in the heavenly realms. the verses before God raised us with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace Lord would we be people that know that we are forgiven that we are saved that we are filled with your spirit We know that grace and that power amongst us, we pray. 